0: So, when did counseling stop being about problem solving? Well, not anymore. Introducing Solution-Focused Counseling with the Unlicensed Counselor. And now, here's your host, Steve Moak. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of The Unlicensed Counselor. My name is Steve Moak. I am The Unlicensed Counselor and so grateful, as always, to be here on a beautiful little overcast kind of rainy day here in Scottsdale. Still a little warm, but I'm telling you, we the end is in sight. Um, uh, and, you know, this is also the start of just a great time of year out here uh, in, in Arizona uh, obviously, I just I'm very fond of our state, but now is when we come into just just the glorious times hiking, biking. I went up to Flagstaff with a friend last weekend. This state, you know, not not that I need more people to move here, but I mean, you can go from cactus and desert, you know, you shoot two hours north, and it's lakes and mountains and clouds, and it's just so diverse. And they're skiing, like it's just awesome. And uh, you know, feel very fortunate and lucky and grateful to be able to spend time here. And to get out and explore this state is, is just a ton of fun. So, um, you know, good stuff. Good stuff going around. And, by the way, I'm wearing my diamondback shirt. Dbacks are looking like uh, we may head into the playoffs here if we can hold on to a wild card spot. Tonight, this, uh, this episode we record on a Thursday, is actually the Arizona State football's first game. I'm actually going to that, taking my daughter and some friends to that game as well, too. So, And then the NFL starts. It's just, you know, it's like, that time of year where we just kind of pick up steam. We're getting out of the heat out here. You know, it's just it's all smiles out here in in Scasta, Arizona. So just just happy. I was taking some time over the weekend and actually reflecting while I was up in Flagstaff. It's like life is pretty good. You know, been divorced for almost a year now and you look back and it's like, man, what a journey. Like it was some dark periods, some rough stretches, but you got your health, you got your family, you got friends, you've got great things going on. We got a fun podcast to be able to share a lot of good stuff. So just just pretty good. I encourage everybody who's out there listening. Take a minute and kind of think of something you're grateful for, as always uh, on a day like today. Uh, but today, I want to talk about um, how do you have some fun, right in uh, in sobriety, and recovery, not drinking? It is a super, super common question and one that almost paralyzes people when they're thinking about stopping drinking, right? And I'll break it down a little bit of just not only how do you have fun, but maybe some things not to do as well, too, kind of early on. And then things shift kind of over time. There's kind of a trajectory in recovery. And again, recovery, and I call recovery abstinence, right? You know, not using drinking or drugs. That's my definition of it. I don't know when or why I have to clarify that anymore these days, but the world has changed in terms of how it defines these things. But uh, just give you a little pointers and feedback. September 11, 2014 is my sobriety day. I'm coming up on nine years here. So I thought I'd maybe take a moment and reflect back on that and just kind of share some of the things I've done right, some of the things I've done wrong. And then I'd love to hear some of your feedback. And then at the end, I maybe want to answer a couple questions. They've been stacking up. You know, I kind of got away from answering some questions at the end of the podcast, but they've been stacking up and getting some interesting feedback on Facebook and Instagram and things like that as well, too. So yeah, looking forward to just diving into all this on the show today. But before we do that, as always, I want to thank our friends over at ShareTech. Look, the number one most important thing that you need is accuracy when you're doing a drug and alcohol screen, right? That is ShareTech. They have proprietary technology that allows this test to not be cheated. If your loved one is able to evade detection from one of these other different types of tests, not using this proprietary technology, uh, system that Sharetech has developed, then you're really doing a disservice to your loved one. And and, and honestly, it can be fatal—not to be scary. But look, if if we let somebody go and they continue to use and they get something, some fentanyl or something cut into whatever they're using, I mean, that could be the last time that they use. So with Sharetech, we can guarantee that we're going to know that person took that test, and here are the most accurate results available on the market. Go to BetterDrugTest.com. Please pick up one of these tests. Uh, you'll thank me later. Your loved one will thank me later. Usually over time, they're usually not too thrilled when they find out that they can't cheat a drug test. But, you know, when they're 30, 60, 90, a year sober, yeah, maybe I'll get a thank you note. Don't need one, but I'm just saying that. And as always, our friends at uh, EasySheets.club, look, this is the most fun subscription that you're going to be able to sleep on. I mean, you spend, what, a third of your life asleep in your bed, right? Let's update this a little bit. I'm sure most of you have some nice sheets. How often are you cleaning them? At minimum, it should be two weeks. My doubt is that you're usually not. Uh, sign up for this subscription. Starts at 50 bucks a month. We'll ship you out professionally cleaned and pressed sheets of your choice. Enjoy it. Change the color. Change the style. Really have some fun with this subscription service. I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. Go to EasySheets.club. I guarantee you and whoever's sleeping next to you are really going to enjoy it. As always, visit me at the Unlicensed Counselor if you've got questions, want to book some time, happy to, uh, to work one-on-one with folks. And last but not least, we are officially getting ready to launch our, uh, our Coalition for Youth Drug Abuse Prevention. You now, I'm actually going to be doing our first, my first interview here. I'm going to bring in my co-founder and radio talk show host, Seth Leibson, who's going to be joining me on the podcast. We'll probably go a little longer form And the next, I think it's two weeks out, we're going to have our official launch September 12th. Follow us, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Hard stop official. Right, we are putting out some edgy content. We've got some new gear, some merchandise, some T-shirts that were done by an artist that is just is phenomenal stuff we're going to be actually reaching out to people if you know someone who's been Im- impacted by drug or alcohol addiction we want to hear your stories and we're going to put them with our professional uh, production crew and actually you know share allow people to share those stories out of our social channels as well this is important stuff and maybe the most important thing i do while i'm walking around this marble so okay uh we got all that fun stuff out of the way So having fun in sobriety, this is, so again, I worked in a treatment center. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I go to AA, like I have been, lived, breathed, done all of this stuff. And one of the biggest things, and, and, and I also meet with people or I get calls typically from their loved one, not always the individual of like, you know, they're ready to get sober or they're close to it. Can you meet with them? Can you talk to them? It's been in hotel rooms. It's been at their house. It's been a detox, whatever it is. And the number one of the things, I won't say number one, but one of the top things is what am I gonna what am I gonna do? How am I gonna have fun? What's my life? It's gonna be boring, da 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 da. Right? And uh and I get it. Like that's a, a common fear. You have defined fun, right? As I did. I'm not not throwing stones at anybody. I define fun as pouring as many drinks down my throat and then getting into all kinds of scenarios that I would never otherwise be in, whether that is acting crazy or doing outlandish things or being loud or, you know, chasing girls or who knows, you know, just what adventures and things that a night filled with a bunch of booze can take you to, right? So that was my definition of fun. So if I, if, if that's how I define quote unquote fun, then yeah, that is, that's going to be a problem because the goal is to remove alcohol and drugs from your life, right? You know, again, that's how I define abstinence. So, you know, when I sit down with folks and they'll, they just start spinning out, right? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this? And I get every scenario, How, well, I, you know, when my, my daughter gets married, you know, I, I, I can be able to have a glass of champagne at her wedding and toast and things like that. And I'm like, you're single, you don't have a kid. Like, let's not worry about that exact situation right here, right now. Right? And that's where a lot of that one day at a time kind of things come in. They kind of get into this future trip and this spiral and this, this thing, that's this monkey brain that just starts spinning out and spinning out and spinning out. So we really do have to slow everything down a little bit and kind of start to redefine how, what fun is in our brain. Now, before I kind of get into how you have fun, let me also clarify some of the things not to be doing early on in your recovery as well too, because it can set you back. and, And a setback in our world can be fatal, right? So the number one thing is isolation, right? So just because you've stopped drinking, I don't care if you go to AA, I don't care if you go to outpatient or treatment, or just stop drinking on your own, right? Like that's perfectly acceptable too. If that's what works for you, do it. I, I really don't care how in the heck you choose. I just want people who have a problem with drinking to stop drinking, right? That's my number one thing. Uh, but what if you're able to kind of hit that hard stop, that reset and kind of pause, what I don't want you to do is just start hanging out by yourself, right? If you're now just alone, solo, and you're probably going to have more time, on your hands as well too. all of those times where you used to post up in the corner bar or your friends would call you and go to happy hour by the way we probably need to update the term happy hour as well too I, I don't know a lot of people that come out a happy hour necessarily happy they come home late drunk wife's pissed kids wondering where they are you know messed up it's midnight on a Tuesday podcast for another time um, but You know, I I really you're gonna have more time on your hands because the time that you had dedicated to drinking, which if you were like us, problem drinkers, alcoholic type drinkers, filled up a good a good amount of your time. So we're gonna need to fill that time with other activities, right? Now, some of that can be going to meetings and doing some of the counseling and things like that, but that's still gonna leave you a boatload of hours left in your day that you're unaccounted for, and that can lead quickly down into some problems so find a way to get engaged in some activities right I don't care if it's lifting or exercise or running I don't care truthfully what that is I want you to be out not sitting on your couch just letting that mind continue to go in an ideal world you'd be engaged with your friends you'd be volunteering somewhere because the good that comes from helping others Starts to improve your mental health, well-being, and all those things as well, too. You know, what you're hearing me kind of say in a non-AA way is a lot of AA principles as well, too. But I've just seen too many people get turned off from AA. I don't even truly believe that it's a turn off. They just shut it down without even giving it a fair shake, candidly. They just hear God and blame it on I don't want to do this or I don't like these people or I'm different from them. It's all BS. It really is. You know, I'm different. I'm special. I'm unique. You're, no, you're not. I've seen everybody walk in the door of treatment centers from you know multi multi multi-millionaires to practically homeless folks, maybe homeless folks walk in the door. We're all the same, we all have that same kind of brain that landed us in the same spot, the same couch, spinning the same tails with just slightly different outcomes and stories. So however you need to kind of get connected to a group of people, right? I am for AA, church, a bowling league, minus the beer, Right. You know, find find some going for a walk out in the woods, listening to podcasts, starting your own podcast, start a YouTube channel, like get going, doing something that makes you happy, brings a smile to your face and get you up and going and off the couch. Right. Like, honestly, I just don't want you sitting in a room with the brains that are newly sober, that we're still I mean. Physiologically, chemically, it's going to take at least 90 and more than likely 120 days for our brains to start to heal, start to turn the corner, start to kind of rewire itself for that memory to come back, for that fog to get lifted. I mean, you literally are almost just buying yourself time, right? Maybe you need to get a a second job or something like that. I, I don't know what it is, but find something that kind of takes up your time. So, don't sit alone, don't isolate, don't let your brain just kind of spin on it itself, right? Second is, you know, watch out who you associate with, right? Watch out who you associate with. You know, the analogy that I always use is, if somebody was sitting in this chair next to me and they were, they were standing up on it, is it easier for that person to pull me up or for, for them, you know, to pull me down or for you to pull them down, right? I just always have that picture in my head and it is so dang easy to pull someone down, right? Someone who's vulnerable. Maybe you've just gone through divorce finance job money's tight and maybe they're offering some, you know, who knows what the situation looks like. All of a sudden, you kind of befriend somebody, and maybe even in the beginning, they had nice intentions. Although uh, I've seen it too many times, you know, ulterior motives when people become friends, with people in early recovery, because they're vulnerable. Like we're susceptible people; we literally are healing from all of these things in our brain and emotions and all this type of stuff. So be very careful, and I, and I mean, people, if you if you do use the the AA and that whole thing, be careful who you associate with. You know, I I think I said this in one of the podcasts earlier. It's like hang around five smokers, you're going to be the Sith. Hang around five distance runners and you're going to be a Sith. Who you associate with is going to ultimately drive what you're going to end up like, right? So if you find some people that are shaky, rocky, dicey, maybe still participating in some of this, you know, fringe or drinking or using behavior and you kind of gravitate towards that – Boy, I, I would I would be very concerned. I would be very concerned. So pick who you are hanging out with, who you want to spend your time with, very wisely. And I'll echo this on the on the dating side of this thing too. You know, in the AA world, they say you shouldn't date for a year. You know, uh, I broke that, right? Um, so, well, Steve, are you a hypocrite? I, I don't know. I mean, I had my sponsors, my sponsor talking to her sponsor, and we were all we were in counseling, we had treatment. I mean, it was a whole thing. Ultimately, it still ended up in divorce about nine years later. But that's neither here nor there. But looking back on the situation, I just see it was two people coming together who were hurting, who found each other and kind of almost survived on each other and fed off. And we were doing that in a good way. But I do think that we were the exception, not the norm in that. And even if I looked back on doing it, granted, I have a daughter out of the relationship and, you know, it's still a friend to this day and all this type of stuff. There's a lot of good but I can see now looking at it where that don't date for a year thing comes from, right? Is because we're just healing people. We're very vulnerable. Like we want we want that connection. We want to not feel the pain inside and the shame and the guilt of probably a lot of the things that we've just come through. And when you're able to connect with somebody like that, it just helps. It makes you feel a little bit better, it makes you feel loved, wanted, secure, and all of those things. And and it just feels better than having to deal with, process, sit, work your way through mentally, you know, cry, all the things that you probably need to be dealing with early on. And the reason that you need to sit with that, feel that, experience it, process it, work through it is so we don't do it again, right? So we don't do it again. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not going to harp, harp, harp on that, but not only can it just pull you out of your focus in early recovery it could potentially set it back as well too. Um, uh, I mean, there's just too, it's too easy for people to one person be like, I'm going to pick up or I'm going to use this, or I'm going to use that. And then all of a sudden you've got somebody out. And again, in this day and age, you know, one slip like that can be fatal. It's just, it just is the truth of the matter. And I don't want to go to any more funerals and I don't want to see anybody pass because they found a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. That uh, they thought was good for them, that they were working the program or sober, blah 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 blah, whatever it is. So, so you know, those are those are a few things that I just wouldn't do in early recovery. Now, I know I said you know we're going to talk a little bit more about fun. So the number one thing: redefine your definition of fun. Number two thing, find some activities to fill your time, right? Things that you like to do. Maybe things that you've always wanted to do and never tried. You know, I still have a list of things that I'd like to be able to do. You know, I still haven't done an open mic night. You know, that's on my list of things to be able to do. And look, again, nine years into this thing, and I'm still checking things off my list. Go easy on yourself, though. Don't feel like you got to jam it. Like I see this happen a lot of times. People get sober and it's like somebody lights a fire under them. And it's like, whoa, boy, I've been wasting all this time. And now they're just charge, 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 charging and want to get to everything. Take a breath. Go easy. (laughs) Relax. Understand you got a lot of time. You need to work through some of these things. But I do. I would much rather see someone taking action to improve themselves in whatever way, shape or form than just kind of sitting around. So next up on the list in terms of just fun is, you know, finding the new right, quote-unquote, friends out of this situation. Um, You know, I find a lot of my friends through sports, through athletics, through the gym – uh, people. So that's me going out and putting myself in situations that I enjoy. I like running. I like lifting. I found a whole new community in my yoga. Again, wouldn't be an unlicensed counselor podcast without a yoga plug. I got my medicine this morning. I went to my hot yoga class and I actually really needed it because it just helps center me. And I had my mind going in a lot of different directions as well, too. But you go out, you get involved into things, communities, organizations, you meet people and maybe maybe you'll find somebody to date in. But it's just making connections with new people under new pretenses, they don't know anything about your past either, right? So you get to kind of be this new healthy version of yourself that you don't necessarily have to go share all this crap that you used to do down, down, you know, when you were using and all that kind of stuff. So I just think that there's a, a really great way to kind of reinvent yourself with your friends that are completely new and find you go, go get involved in Orange Theory or something like that or go to a boxing class or, you know, go join a band or something. I, I don't know what it is, but go out and find a peer group that you can get involved with. All right. So if you Google how to have fun in sobriety, you're going to see just a list of like just activities and things like that. But I think one of the most fun things that I've kind of grown into that's not just kind of activity based is being more comfortable in my own skin. Right. And that's taken me a long time. So, for example, I have a wedding coming up with a, a friend of mine who I've known for 15 years, 20. I don't know, maybe longer. We're used to party, have fun, do all that kind of stuff. He's getting married up in Park City, Utah. You know, weddings are a big Booze fest a lot of times right and this one is no exception there's no nothing wrong with that but early on in my days i would kind of get into my head you know you know not that i couldn't drink but it's like what am i going to do there what am i going to do and it's just taken me years of kind of putting myself in these situations seeing how i react where you really start to get more comfortable in your own skin a I enjoy being able to go to these events and parties now. First off, they typically have great food, right? So I love to, to crush some food here. I'll always put you know a drink of some kind in my hand, usually just a, a club soda with a lime. People get nervous all the time and recover. What do they see? I'm not drinking. What do I say? Nobody gives two rips that you're not drinking. 99% of the time, they're not even going to notice, right? Like they're getting lit. They're getting drunk. They're getting close talking. They're getting loud. They're dancing like idiots. Like, let them go have their fun. But I have found more fun now where I can go out, joke around, be around my friends. I can still tear up the dance floor, but I'm much more comfortable in my own skin than I used to be. But that took a lot of time. To kind of get there, it took a lot of me putting myself in social situations that, you know, yeah, they're maybe slightly uncomfortable when you're used to having a bottle in your hand and you're doing a couple shots and you're the life and you're, you know, doing the worm at the party. Eh, It's a little different these days. But over time, again, I practiced. I don't know if I was intentionally kind of cognizant, cognitively practicing it, but I really was by just going to these events. And it's not a big deal. Like, it's not a big... They don't care. I've become less and less caring about what other people think while I'm out at these things. And it's just this comfort level that I enjoy now. And the beautiful part is, is I can wake up and still get my run in, my lift in, get my breakfast. They're up, you know, eating junk food at 2 o'clock in the morning, getting hammered. And I just... I like my life now, but it took me a long time to kind of get through and start to enjoy those. So it's really kind of, and I've talked about this in previous podcasts, kind of the reframing of what my definition of fun is and how I choose to have fun. Another little you know, secret tip for all of this stuff too, is if you've got somebody else who doesn't really drink, either as a date, a husband or wife, you know what? Recruit them to come with you to some of this stuff. It's a lot more fun and even easier if you've got a partner in crime that you can laugh at some of this other stuff. And if you need to duck out early, duck out early. Like you know, there's no pressure to have to sit through all of these things when people are getting loaded. Maybe they're doing drugs, they're doing shots, things are getting a little rowdy. Typically, I'll bail before that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, is that fun? It is for me because I, I, I'm just i'm 44 years old now like i, I get it I, I i've been there done that i got no fear of missing out like i've drank all the drinks i believe certain you know everybody has a certain number of drinks in their lives and i've hit my limit on mine and i'm completely okay with that so i like having a friend who's with me you know boyfriend girlfriend whatever it is and i can just kind of be like all right you're seeing all this this is great let's get a video of this Let's bounce back to the hotel room. Let's order some room service. Let's go get a dessert and then let's just chill and, uh, you know, call it a night. So, again, I, that is me having fun in a new life and a new skin and being completely comfortable with this as well and I, I just think people need to understand that when you're out at these parties and things like that, nobody else cares that you're not drinking. They're not worried about it. They don't care. Like just have some canned excuses if you really feel like you need it or just have the the fake drink in your hand as well too. So, you know, these are just little nuggets that I've kind of picked up along the way that allow me to have a little bit more fun. Um, I'm also allowing myself to, to be, especially as a dad now, to be, I'm not taking myself quite as serious, right? Like I have felt like I've worn the weight of the shoulders, the weight of the world on my shoulders for a long time, whether that was the startup or, you know, trying to be a better husband and things like that. And yeah, am I over-exaggerating a little bit? Yes, but you know, now I can, I can dance with my daughter. I mean, she's got a Snow White outfit on here in the other room, right? And it was like, before it was like, oh, do you wanna, walk around with that yeah it's amazing it's awesome she's smiling it makes other people smile makes me smile like just relax a little bit you know don't have to be so serious about everything right we get one spin through this life right like you know have a little fun with this relax a little bit not everything necessarily has to be so serious right i think i was a little bit too serious on a lot of these things too but again Stuff that took me time to kind of find in and of myself as I work through my recovery and my sobriety and how I want to kind of change my life and how I want to do it better going forward, you know. But I also enjoy, you know, I was never a big movie guy, but now I can sit down and, and turn on a documentary on Netflix or something and just find some fun in peace and quiet as well, too. I feel like I used to have to constantly have somebody texting me there's a party there's an event how are we getting into here what are we doing who's driving where are we going what's the next trip like it was just this mad rush to always have something to do and never be alone and and now i can enjoy myself right well steve you said not to be alone yeah in that first year, I wouldn't necessarily do it. I'm I'm year nine down here is a little different place where I'm at, and you know, really drinking's not an option for me, so that doesn't even really cross my mind. But now I can sit and enjoy a little downtime by myself, right, and not have to worry about ah, nobody texts you past midnight anymore. Don't care. I've been asleep for two hours by that point, anyways, right? Like the stuff that used to be important to me is not that important to me anymore and I've completely you know rearranged my priorities in my life and I'm now just able to be a little more comfortable on my own skin be able to settle in on a night and not feel like I've left out or I didn't get invited this and I'm just comfortable at home with the dogs if my daughter's with me with my daughter and it's just nice there's just this kind of sense of calmness and quiet and being able to appreciate just little things like that that you know, at the pace I was moving in and the way that I wanted to keep myself busy. And I think I kept myself busy just so I didn't have to reflect on probably not liking myself a whole lot at that point in time. Right. I don't know if I genuinely was aware of that at the time, but just the way that I was conducting my life and how I was behaving. I just don't think I was a huge fan of myself. And it was just this preoccupation with booze and drugs and things like that. So, you know, There is is just some things. Again, I didn't want to get on and talk about how to have fun. It's like, ride a bike. Go do this. Go do that. There's plenty of that stuff that's out there on the web that you can find that if you need to fill time, fill time. And it's not a bad thing, right? You know, if you need to just fill some time, especially in that first year, go do it. Just find, just keep trying stuff. That doesn't work next on the list. Get a list of 50 things. That doesn't work. Try it. Didn't like it. Try it next. What's on the list? Keep trying. And then what you'll find is your brain starts to heal. Life looks a little bit different. Typically, it gets a little bit better when you remove drugs and alcohol for over over periods of time. And then you can kind of start to feel who you are and start to make decisions and find what fun looks like for you. So, you know, interesting stuff. I've just been thinking a lot about of it. This is that time of year where there's just there's so much to do out here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I was like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and it's like, well, what do I do if I stop drinking? What, what, do I do? what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? There's tons of stuff to do. You do have to go search it out, though, right? And it is going to be different than what you used to do. And you have to be OK with that. But look at it as practice. Look at it as practice. You're going to have fun. Get around some people who are going to support you. And I guarantee you're going to be able to laugh and remember it much more than you have any of your previous life. So uh, good stuff. All right. I just want to close the last couple minutes uh, before I shut this whole bad boy down. I've been getting a lot of comments on, um, on Facebook and Instagram are like, you know, what is it this unlicensed counselor? Can you be doing this? Should you be talking about this? You know, you're uneducated and things like that. I get a lot of this, this stuff thrown at me. It's really fun. And I enjoy it like heck, like talking to people. First off, they've never listened to the podcast. It's the first thing I'm like, go listen and tell me what you don't like right you know my whole goal in this is to kind of come with a different perspective than what your traditional counselor would do solution focused direct actionable take home tangible things that you want to do well you know are you you're unlicensed you shouldn't be out here doing this you know what take a listen and if you don't like it leave it Like, I really don't care in any way, shape or form what you think about this. I want to come at this with different perspectives because counseling as as it stands in the world works for a lot of people. But I do think there needs to be an opposing voice or at least a different way of viewing certain situations and challenges. So that has come up a lot of times on Facebook lately. So I just wanted to come out here and say it. Take what you want and leave what you don't. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. But I do encourage anybody who's out there, just share this episode or one of the other episodes that's related on a topic that you might find of interest with a friend. Hit the three little dots and send it out there to, uh, to directly to an individual. I do that all the time on the different topics that I've spoken about and see what you think. I just think it's a fresh, different way of thinking about some of these topics as well. I like to speak from my life experience. I've had quite a bit. I think that the life experience is almost equally as valuable as whatever letters that are coming after someone's name not always but I think a lot of the time and I think we've gotten into this kind of default thing license means better advice better suggestions and I just don't find that to always be the case and hence the unlicensed counselor was born so anyways take a listen thanks again for all your support I appreciate it my name is Steve Moak I am the unlicensed counselor until next time thank you very much